0: To the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion Number Fifty Three.
1: That's what I got.
0: Excellent, and as you can already tell, I'm joined today by Tim Hoffman. Hello. And good friend Kevin Corvo. Hello. We've also got joining us a uh, local commercial real estate professional, Brad, but he will be chiming in uh, intermittently and mostly later in the episode. But he's going to say hello right now.
2: Hello. I'll see you later. All right. Thank you, Brad.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I I appreciate your discipline.
2: But if you feel like
0: jumping in, go ahead. Uh, As you can tell, we're going to be talking about all things development uh, this episode. But we will also be talking about some unanswered general questions that we have going into this year. It is already uh, most of the way through February, even though it is extended by the leap uh, year this year. We are freight training towards our uh, full solar eclipse come, what, April? April 8th. And uh, there are some other things on uh, meaningful calendars that don't have anything to do with city development. But us, us here at the Hilliard Beacon, we've established a commitment to local issues. So we're going to maintain our focus on local issues, leaving uh, larger solar eclipse concerns to uh, the true professionals, astronomers, astrologers, and uh, various prevaricators. Wizards. (laughs) Wizards. Yes, Tim. Thank you. Uh. So the topic of the episode I think today we have is uh, unanswered questions or questions that still require more information. We've kind of established that one of the goals of this enterprise is to provide ongoing coverage, recurring coverage that kind of circles back around until the stories are finished. So we've got a lot of things that have hit various mile markers and a lot of things that still have uh, information to reveal to us before their ultimate uh, development in the community. So... Uh, I figured this episode would be a good time to reframe some of those questions or uh, re-pose some of those questions. So I think we'll do that a little bit today all across our uh, spectrum of interests or across some of our spectrum of interests. So uh, beginning uh, with one of my first queries, I use the big word uh, Mm. to indicate a question that is actually a longer word. Interesting. But getting into it, we said, About a year ago, there was a railroad disaster here in Ohio in uh, an area close to my hometown called East Palestine. It involved uh, vinyl chloride uh, being intentionally exploded uh, off of a Norfolk Southern cargo rail line uh, that had derailed in that community. And the economic fallout is that they've spent over a billion dollars there trying to clean up, and uh, they're still not done. They are in the process of transporting soil to approved disposal areas, which is just landfills and other communities. Um, The poisoning uh, of that area happened. The cleanup of that area is ongoing. I had asked at about the same time of our city council just what is routinely crossing our city lines, what is moving through our community, Uh, And I never heard back on that account, and I would like to continue to pursue that because I don't know if you guys have driven along uh, the latter portions of Sayota Derby Road near Dublin Road, and I know that's not technically Hilliard, but that's right abutting Hilliard proper. That rail crossing is rough, 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 and uh, I'm not implying that there's a potential for derail there or anything like that. I'm just saying that Uh, that's a question that we asked over a year ago and I'd like more information on because uh, a billion dollars is not something that is to be disregarded and I don't want to spend ever a billion dollars on cleaning up a vinyl chloride disaster in Hilliard, Ohio. So uh, we'll be following up with uh, the city council on that. But moving into some other things, uh, I wanted to follow up on our story that we did I think it was probably, what, maybe April of last year about the automated license plate readers when that first crossed our radar. That was in the spring. Yeah. It
1: was springtime.
0: That system has been established in various communities throughout Ohio, including Troy, Ohio. and Worthington uses them. One of our uh, sister publications on Substack, Civic Capacity in Troy, Ohio, uh, operated by William Lutz, has gotten full reports on the deployment of that system. Uh, technology and how that's impacting city policing. And I would like to get more of that information uh, if anybody in the city of Hilliard is listening. And I think that's a strong possibility. I'd like to arrange some kind of uh, a reporting on that or some kind of uh, distribution of that information because that's a new technology that was approved and was put forward uh, and has far ranging. Uh, possibilities as far as data collection is concerned and how it's deployed. And I think the community is interested to see uh, Mm. some early results and early responses from that. So that's the second question I have uh, going into uh, the early days of uh, 2024. Guys, I'm going to turn to you now. I don't mean to make you jump in your chairs, Ah! but we've been doing this for a year now. We've done a lot of stories. Kevin, you've done a lot of writing. What are some things that you would like to follow up on with uh, what we've opened up here as the Hilliard Beacon? What are what are some stories that are demanding more attention? What are some areas? I know we haven't done as much with maybe the schools as we'd like to uh, eventually, and I, I hope that develops in the coming year, and I know we've got a few feelers out on ways to do that, but what are some potential
1: uh, follow-up areas that you guys want to pursue this year? I think as far as school stuff goes i think we're all waiting to see what kind of results the district publishes about that survey that hopefully everybody weighed in on and took regarding a realignment of you know the the school campus facilities this was how the
0: student body would flow through our various schools or through the system and create a more distributed even balance of graduates essentially
1: yeah or just you know hey here's how we can put our building facilities to better use right what do you think i mean who do you- i don't know we're just waiting to waiting on some results for that is so that's kind of uh the one big thing i'm waiting on uh results for is that school survey well i think the survey is just a part of what
0: their overall strategy will eventually be for solving those problems so
1: right that's just the next step all right i want to see what came out of the survey i want to yeah. see what where what, are we in that process yeah maybe, and yes, what plan the- they're leaning toward and you know whether or not it lines up with results they got from people
0: I think we can definitely ask that question. Where are we in the process of determining how to better make use of the physical facilities we have Mm -hmm. and what we need to best position ourselves for the future? I think that was also the looking forward, looking back kind of question of uh, structure of those surveys in large part, right? Yeah,
1: maybe we can talk to someone we've had in here before, bring them back for kind of an update on what they're thinking as far as that goes.
3: The district uh, did not weigh in on Rock Run, uh, by the way. I didn't mention that in the story, but I asked the district if they had any input. It was a simple, open ended question, got me thoughts on Rock Run, which is the residential development on Dublin Road uh, for the 220 apartments. On I think it was 226 acres. or something
0: like that. It's always a bizarre number. Uh,
3: in terms of following up, uh, the things I'll be looking at uh, are still haven't been determined yet for the most part, uh, Rock Run being one of them. Uh, The Columbus Development Commission, as it's updated in the story, uh, did not uh, grant approval or rather recommended that the developer ask for it to be tabled, uh, which is how that works with development commissions. Um, The commission can't table it. The applicant (laughs) has to do that. And it's up to the applicant to... You know, put their finger in the air and withdraw
0: before they're rejected, essentially. And, and withdraw essentially. before
3: they're rejected, essentially. Wow. So right. some That's some commissions will, you know, you do want to table this, right? They sometimes prompt it that much, and the developer will say, yes, I moved. I ask that this be tabled, which is what happened with the uh, Rock Run proposal. Okay. So I'll need to ask uh, the LLC um, members or... Someone with the LLC, do you think what they intend to do next because they've got several options?
0: Yeah, how it moves forward because the parcels are already purchased, so yes, so the game plan can only be open to and as the SPOC itself always represented, it's not no but what, so defining what mm -hmm. uh, will be the goal of both developer and local area residents.
3: 15 Love. To Spock yeah it Um, seems that way (laughs) so uh, the developer would could walk away which I can't imagine they Mm. could say well forget it we'll just go to the Columbus City Council which I can't imagine so I would expect them to be coming back to the Columbus Development Commission with slightly fewer apartments perhaps and to keep doing so until they reduce the number to whatever the Columbus Development Commission would approve and I would would expect them to approve something there so
0: in your story uh, Holly Hollingsworth was kind of quoted as saying part of their strategy was to cite a 2002 finding by that same commission about developments being quote-unquote members
3: but the Columbus Development Commission correct
0: quote unquote in keeping right Mm -hmm. I think that was the language that they used with existing area. I didn't follow
3: up though to see what ultimately was built there if anything so I should look into that.
0: Yeah I think Um, that's the next thing for sure.
3: But what they originally proposed was turned down by the commission or well I guess it was turned down by the commission they didn't they didn't withdraw the application so I think they went ahead they went forward with it and the commission gave a negative recommendation in 2000 in 2002. Uh, because it, what they were seeking was not in keeping with the surrounding single-family residences, mm. uh, but I I didn't follow up or I didn't check to see what what ultimately came of that proposal if if they came back with something different or
0: let's let's ask now uh, commercial real estate professional Brad <laughs> joining us today on the pod
2: just Brad is fine just
0: Brad <laughs> I'll shorten it Brad uh, this kind of in keeping language developers when they are looking to make an entry into a community on <clears throat> purchased air purchased parcels or whatever they take those things into account yeah those kind of objections or those expected objections
2: um yeah i don't think any developer goes in there thinking like their first draft of the project is going to get approved right away uh, but this is really, this is part of a bigger issue in Columbus right now and a mind sh- shift that is happening slowly but in deliberate fashion to get away from the build this like the other stuff that's always been built here and towards a new building code and just a new way of 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 suburbs and everybody building and the idea is to be more dense and in a bigger pick in a bigger sense like get away from a car uh car everything being bottled around cars but that's kind of bigger. yeah that's the 30, real problem 000, is 30, 000, there's a huge housing macro. shortage yeah, yeah. there's a huge housing shortage in central also ohio macro. That is only getting worse because they're not doing enough about it. We're not building houses for a variety of reasons right now, so these type of projects will get approved in denser um, than they used to. All well,
0: right, but, as you as you run up against the the increasing angle of what you need to build in order to safely house and provision people in an area, uh, you've got to think bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to make up the ground that you're losing to ongoing development. So that's why I kind of wanted to pivot a little bit towards uh, Hollingsworth's phrasing of it's not no, but what the Hilliard community plan goes to great lengths to define all the potential what Uh, it doesn't necessarily give a how to get from uh, all that potential to what actually works in all these various zones, communities, pre-existing areas. So where I think that's another unanswered question we have going forward this year is how can we get people into this decision-making process so they can gain a little bit of clarity on what they can expect when they get the word that bulldozers are moving into their street or moving down the road. They can say, oh, I know about that because it came up in the... I'm wish casting now community ward meeting uh, for my area, for my part of the neighborhood, that this is the kind of buildings that are being built down the block. We're changing single lots into quads or we're changing single lots in uh, adjoining areas into small apartment complexes. That kind of thing needs to be decided. And the quicker that people get the chance to, uh, I guess, acclimatize themselves to that reality that developers are looking to build, the better. The question is, how do we as a city, and I think the Hilliard Development uh, Commission is supposed to play a pretty significant role in this. Uh, currently, they've been courting a lot of commercial development, like business foundation, like foundings, and in creating a headquarters or a, or a start for a business. But I think what might now be beneficial is if we can maybe turn some of that focus and attention towards courting developers for all these different scales of development that are represented in this community plan. Because things that won't go in my neighborhood are X, Y, and Z. But things that might go in my neighborhood are A, B, and C. And I think that the quicker we get to some type of neighborhood consensus about that or consensus building activity, which in my estimation is wards, In the ward system, uh, and I know that's been expressed by some council members as a desired outcome for this year's business is to get a little bit closer on those objectives as developing more city and citizen representation. We need to get a little bit further down this road. So, Brad, in development in real estate development, what are some of the models that you're seeing, not just in uh, commercial but residential, if you could sound off on that a little bit. I know it's not necessarily your wheeled house, but... What are you looking at? What are we seeing here largely?
2: Well, I think uh, you you brought up a lot of a lot of ground there. Yeah, I talk um, a lot. <laughs> I think um what you're seeing in many of the suburbs of Columbus are a couple of things. Bridge Park in Dublin has been deemed a huge success. And so every other suburb around 270 wants to find build their bridge park and hilliard's i true guess point, you could say do that is the
3: um true point yeah. true point i'm not sure true point desires to be mini bridge bridge park. Park. well I, they don't want to my my understanding is they don't want to model it like bridge park
1: they want they don't want to be compared to bridge
3: they don't park. want to be compared to bridge park well, yeah.
0: well let's not do that then. It,
1: it, it, you can't not be it's across the it's
0: a
2: type of development <clears> that <throat> virtually every suburb is looking at doing right now uh uh-huh. um, the other thing a lot of suburbs are doing is using their plans and hilliard has a very extensive development plan that you guys have talked about a lot which is awesome but they are saying now um plain <clears throat> city just did this powell just did this they are actually um dublin did it already in the new development that's going down on um, uh, in old historic Dublin is they've basically appointed a developer to manage a certain zone of the re- of the plan. Um, so like the guy in Plain City got this entire like corner of 42 and 161. That's been basically underdeveloped right in downtown Plain City and his job is to execute the plan, essentially. This one developer. Mm-hmm. um, And I think Dublin's doing the same thing with this, I think they call it, like, Discovery Zone. It's down um, next to Bridge Park, like, next to the bridge, the old bridge in Bridge Park. They're doing, like, a historical... Um, village kind of thing there but it's going to be like an idea factory entrepreneur center and residences and workshops they bought his whole into his whole plan um so i think hilliard probably is looking at that on well, some level and uh, there was like, a major is.
0: yeah yeah there was a major acquisition of land off of dublin road uh, just recently, we reported on that, and they have identified that as probably being tech-focused, tech, tech focused. and they're hoping that uh, businesses that have their start and converge or maybe have uh, some foundation, uh, foundational elements out of Hilliard Development Corporation or any of those other things that have, have been spun up locally, uh, that they'll center there. Now, is that a possibility that they could appoint like one overall developer for that whole parcel, that whole double melted parcel, and say, okay, we want a tech hub. Can you turn us out a tech hub?
2: Yeah, I'd say that's possible. These are generally mixed-use things that are going up, but, um, but yeah, a tech hub could be...
0: In a lot of ways, no different than a retirement community or, or anything else of scale.
2: Yeah, they would basically do the plan... And maybe even go as far as, you know, like do all the utilities and everything and get them development ready. And then probably seek out, you know, tenants and build the suit type of people that want to go in there.
0: Sure. I know that Plain City has had a lot of success with having certain areas. cord um, I, I don't want to say cordoned, but you know, zoned for certain types of business development, a business uh, area, business sector of of certain scales of development. Hilliard has a lot of development happening right around it in a lot of proximity. We've got a lot of things happening in the the area. It's interesting that the development at Mill Run uh, on the old Movies 10 uh, site has gone forward with a lot of apartment construction and, and plans for that have just kind of moved through. And that's in Columbus as well. But didn't require any type two annexation or anything as the Dublin Road uh, parcel did and also is a little bit more congruous with already existing retail or business uh, area development or redevelopment. So um, speaking larger in central Ohio, what are some of the trends that you're seeing now in retail or, or not retail, but commercial and residential real estate? as far as growth but also a weakness in different areas do you
2: have any kind of overall appraisal in that way well yeah again um i would say the the overall theme of of columbus central ohio's development is it's this is all happening now and it's not a question of like we need to draw people to columbus they're coming to columbus now it's like And we need to keep Columbus. (laughs) Why people want to move here. So housing is a critical shortage right now. Well, let's talk about downtown real quick. Infrastructure, a lot of these things. But you have the Intel plant and all that goes with it in the New Albany area. You've got the Honda battery plant down in Williams. Where is that? Down in... um, Williamstown or Jefferson Mall, Jeffersonville, basically. Okay. Which, if it weren't for Intel, would be the biggest development in Ohio. Gotcha. Um, they
0: just kind of somehow are in the shadow because this is almost unprecedented, the level of in, in right. development but, with Intel.
2: But they've, they're way ahead of schedule on that. If you drive down 71 recently, when you get to the outlets, if you look to the left, there's a huge building in the distance. Hmm that looks closer than it is because it's so big <laughs> now,
0: objects in the out your window. <laughs>
2: um, so it's coming from the Southwest. It's coming from the Northeast of Columbus. These are going to be jobs, people commuting people, you know, looking into in industry going back and forth between these things through Columbus. And it's all happening. So, um, so Columbus is trying to, make things easier for building and developing and they're doing uh they're redoing the building code not to take not to take the local perspective out of it but just to bring it more into the 21st century and help address the needs that we have now not from 2002 or the 1950s when the building code was last extensively redone so what they've settled on is this theory of corridors that they're going to develop and they're i, I wish i could say for sure i'm relatively sure like cemetery road is one of the corridors that um what's well, extensively
0: is, featured in the community plan as a primary development corridor for sure
2: right so i think it is hilliard's corridor basically and then like uh Bethel, not Bethel Road, Henderson Road. Like Bethel Henderson is a corridor. They're all over the city, Mm -hmm. in places that wouldn't surprise you. Any of them, and they're basically making it a lot easier to develop in those corridors and build denser housing and build, make the process streamlined. Coda is linking to all these places with this light rail. It's not rail. It's electric, people movers, buses essentially, but train, buses. various people mover solutions, trains, yeah, train buses, something like that. I'd imagine Morpsey
1: is deeply involved with this process.
2: Morpsey, um, every every agency is involved with this, yes. Um. So Hilliard will will focus. It's part of its plan, I'm sure, is to get in line with all of that as well and um so again denser housing denser and and, um and the other key is all kinds of housing when i'm not talking about like affordable housing it's just a bad word that no one really likes to use anymore um what we used to call affordable housing is maybe what you would call workforce housing is the term that's thrown around now. Um, but just like something the average person could afford as a, and to live there in a blue collar kind of job. Um, we need that. We, we need more gazillion dollar homes because the people that come to Columbus who want to buy those can't buy them because they aren't there. So they have to buy the one gazillion dollar homes and then the people that would have bought those buy the five, the million-dollar home. And then the people that would have bought those buy the $500,000 $500, homes. The, so you're it's a bad, for supply at both ends of the spectrum. The solution is to build more of every kind of housing. Sure, so that means some of the big lots, big houses in Hilliard and Dublin and all this. It also means, in my opinion, denser things like this rock run like mm. people want to live there they should <laughs> yeah that's a good thing for Hilliard. they need to figure a way to do it right and embrace it because they're going to get left out of well of, it's because of, of, of the the greatest development time in Columbus's history yeah and
0: interestingly you get these major projects you get these major initiatives that are outside your purview that they're not our pay grade in any way but say intel and honda and these major corporations making generational investment in ohio uh you have to absorb it as though it were a tsunami in a lot of ways you have an opportunity to attract a range of workers that's going to work in these industries for 15 to 20 years or up to retirement those careers are what you know 20 25 years maybe at the most You want to have a range of housing that can accommodate all that growth and more. Because uh, I was just reading something recently where downtown Columbus is targeting population density of 40,000 within five to seven years, I want to say, maybe, maybe a little less. But that kind of population is not outland. That's not good. That should be a lot more than that. There should be a lot more people downtown Columbus than 40,000 people,
2: I think, right? Well, yeah, right now there's like 12,000 people yeah. technically live.
1: That's so, great. That's not enough people. Well, not to have a vibrant downtown. Yeah.
3: 12,000 <laughs> residents in downtown Columbus right now. And what's, that's what's, down what's from the, the, be right before COVID the, it was kind what of What are the geographic boundaries basically of downtown Columbus? Get a little Columbus. closer to your
2: mic, yeah. yeah. I think I, I don't know for sure, but I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But, I mean, I think that includes Franklinton, the actual downtown, Short North. I don't know that that includes, Germ- probably doesn't include German Village and I that kind of stuff. I would think it would include German Village,
3: Italian mm. Village, Franklinton. We should find out. Yeah. Um, but that's what, at these
2: meetings I go to, that's what they, the downtown people say, is that they have... Twelve thousand people living there, and they want to get to I believe thirty-five or forty thousand by like twenty thirty. Twenty thirty, okay.
3: And I'm not sure you can do that based on what the geographic boundaries are.
2: Well, what do they have to? Live well, they in? have to That's build a lot of apartment buildings and new housing down there. Is what they have to do, um, and they've done some of that, and it's continuing. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that laws they change traffic patterns they change that all to it's all to make that happen like they they've changed the speed limits for all of downtown to 25 miles an hour and people were like what, what you know i can't go down third street at 40 miles an hour now if i hit all the green lights and the, all that's mm-hmm. to make it more residential friendly and less car friendly because One of the other development things that they're doing, they used to require everything to have a zillion parking spots, to be general about it. If you build an apartment building, you had to have a zillion parking spots. If you build an office building, you had to have a zillion parking spots, which is why for a while Columbus was nothing but surface parking lots. Yeah, not good. The new development standards are like, forget all that. Great. People are going to walk to the their office. They're going to walk to the food. They're going to walk to the entertainment stuff. They don't need a, a thousand
1: parking spaces Welcome for a, bipedal locomotion revolution.
2: Right, right. So um,
1: well, they've been trying to do that at OSU for a long time, mm-hmm. reducing the amount of parking close to campus, and then enforcing draconian parking rules. Like the Gestapo.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's no parking rules to enforce if there's no parking. So, you know, I guess people will figure it out. But given that's the given that's the game plan to try to grow the population downtown, what are some of the— con- and I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in Hilliard in the respect that there are some uh, unoccupied office buildings and— there's been a lot of floating of the idea that you need to convert existing office buildings into residential uh, living. But the problem with that is that it's not plumbed for it. It's not set up for it. It's a very costly conversion. What do, what do you feel is the trend coming out of the development community, the builders, and the owners of real estate existing? What is their plan to navigate this like downturn in on-site working, uh, this this split to uh working from home but also right. this call to uh convert.
2: Right. Well you mentioned earlier like if there's any weaknesses in the market other than just there's not enough stuff out there. Um offices are what everyone at t- 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 talks about every day in our industry. What's because San Francisco, New York City, some other places um that used to have big financial office districts or whatever are empty now. Um,
0: 12,000 it, people when they want 40.
2: Right, right. And they <laughs> um, and they have loans on them that the variable interest rates have gone up and up and up on them.
0: Well, oh, that's not tied to anything else in their investment portfolio,
2: is it? Right. So when they, these loans come due and they're t- only 20% occupied... You know, it's going to be a huge crisis. Well, Columbus is probably going to avoid anything terrible like that with most of its like downtown office inventory. There'll be some changing of hands and some more attempts at converting some stuff, probably, but uh, you hit it on the head. Like, very few office buildings can be... Re- Converted to residential, and even fewer when it's super expensive right now to for everything for That's construction, right. for property, for labor. um And money's expensive now. So
0: yeah, not cheap to borrow for extended periods of time like it used to be.
2: Right, right and they're not plumbed that way. I mean, you have one bathroom way on that side of the per building, and one over here. How are you yeah. going to put seven, seven apartments in between there? You know. Yeah. Um so some areas like the, the Crosswoods <laughs> up in like north of Worthington um from there over to I don't know what that area is called Worthington Galena Road like there's a ton of office space up there around the Crosswoods and these 90s and 2000s big square office buildings that are mostly vacant and are being they're they're essentially saying now they're probably going to be bought and just bulldozed Ooh. and build sure apartments on stuff them instead. that's
0: actually in in demand yeah
2: or multi use again now that's where offices are very closely tied and Bridge Park is another example of this they have they have a couple different office buildings there at bridge park that are a hundred percent occupied and no one has a problem like there's a waiting list to get into those so the office buildings that are successful still and viable are tied to amenities around them mm, there yeah. where people can either live near or there's great restaurants right there or there's or there's um rooftops 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 for
0: neighborhoods that actually provide employee living and other things i think that's that's a that's a key point you just hit on brad i have heard that come up from various developers over the years that i've sat through meetings and everything is they're looking for high quality uh employees they want people that can live close that can have a sense of community that can have all that stuff and and they want that kind of development growth So the rebuilding of these areas and these neighborhoods is a big thing. One of the issues that we just see is that there just aren't enough uh, diversified hands on those projects. Like the Franklinton project is a huge, huge redevelopment of that whole area. You've had some interest in that. Obviously, you've seen that develop over the years. Talk a little bit about that and how you see that going as it was incepted, as it's been executed, and as it kind of nears... What do you say the the seventy percent
2: completion point? Fifty percent, forty? Well, there's Franklinton itself is is undergoing a transformation that's really only begun, but started in like I think the Peninsula Project is yeah be maybe a little what, more specific more like you're than what I was of. describing. Yeah, you've got a little bit more of that. Um, and then there's the um. Kauffman Development has a couple projects there. Gravity One, Gravity Two. Um, there's all kinds of other apar- apartments going up and restaurants opening in there. Um, but the peninsula is is one of the new like gems of Columbus for the future. And if you haven't been down there, you should go. There's a hotel right in the middle of it called the Gento that has about two or three different bars in it, including a rooftop one that you should get up to because you've never seen Columbus from that viewpoint before. Yeah, that
0: perspective,
2: different. Um, And then you can get a $20 (laughs) cocktail to go (laughs) to join the view with.
0: Obligatory.
2: But it's a hotel. It's one or two uh, mostly office buildings, one or two apartment buildings, a parking garage right in the middle sort of of it more stuff breaking ground all the time i would say the fact that it is what it is now after going when it got started like right before covid and everything is amazing what they've that they've gotten it to where it is (laughs) in the face of that um but it's still got that the peninsula project i think is got another two or three phases in it but it's gone well and Again, to do what they've done in less than ideal conditions when, uh, is pretty amazing, to be honest. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
2: We've got a lot
0: of development questions that are kind of ongoing out here. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time to be in Hilliard because we're looking at how to grow the commercial base of business here. We need to keep up with tax revenues on the commercial side of things uh, so that things can be more evenly balanced. And that's always the demand of homeowners Uh, when they've taken on property taxes. They want to see that uh, tax balance kind of more leveled out. So suburban-wise, what do you see in the the immediate future for the suburban real estate market? What do you see for suburban commercial development? I mean, we see these projects like TruePoint. We see major uh commercial en- uh, entities and entities and corporations like ads wanting to locate within different uh, development zones and, and and tax purposes you see things like uh, Starliner diner commer- uh, small uh, artisan stalwart selling uh, 10 pin alley uh, selling uh, an entertainment complex in Hilliard that's had a lot of development advantages as far as being in a tax increment finance parcel and things of that nature so where do you see suburban development kind of trending in these next couple of years brad
2: well i guess again in in the front of my head is they got to build houses wherever they can so um and and make it denser building so you're going to see that um from a commercial standpoint Hilliard again is people wonder again at like about the effects of the Intel. Will it affect Hilliard? Because it's way over there in New Albany. If you look at like Columbus, like a clock, you know, it's gonna affect the entire clock from it's at two o'clock, it's gonna affect between that and the battery factory, the overlapping supply chains and just workforces and everything else that initial new albany build is not the
0: only build they are going to be eight additional hubs of interconnected supply that go into that core development that will move along what are some of these these chains that you've described earlier The, the whole region this is conceptualizing on a on a region wide scale, so I think that's that's the thing that a lot of people are sh- maybe struggling with in this this instance. So maybe that maybe that's something we can look at.
2: Yeah, I think you have to look at it regionally, and Hilliard is just going to be in a competition. Although, again, there's enough to go around, but as to where to live. Where to put your business and where, where to put to your kids through school, eat, and where your schools are, they're in the mix because, um, as well they should be. Um, so yeah, it's got a great commercial area here on like Roberts Road and Treby Road and all that, in in the core part of Hilliard, and um, it's got a lot of land out you know, to Brown Township and out that way and um so a lot of advantages to Hilliard. I would just say, and I'm sure they do <laughs> have their director of development in on every meeting about Intel and Morpsey and and everything. I think um, ultimately
0: that's what we've always hoped for when we've seen these layers of professional development that have taken place in city governance throughout the last several years is that there would be less of a sense of tripping up the stairs as as it comes to things happening in our region and in our development cycles, and more of a sense of planning, commitment to the long term, and understanding how we can best use what we have, and and make
1: sure we can preserve what we desire in in the Hilliard uh, proper. Tim, are, are we are we positioning ourselves so yeah. that when the inevitable change comes? A, we have a measure of control over how it affects us. B, we're set up so when that wave rolls over us, it it, it does so in, in the most soothing fashion. Well, it's a good way to think about it because I think it just goes right back to at what
0: point do you want to get people involved? At what point can you best get people <clears throat> involved? And I think the best time is always. And I think the best time is in a recurring fashion. I think that... Um, Siodo Property Owners Collective showed that uh, given certain criteria, certain objections, certain commitment to the the principle that you hold, that you can influence development. But at the same time, you should not stop it. And they've always acknowledged that their goal is not to stop development, but they prefer something that's more, quote-unquote, in keeping. So I think the game plan now needs to be to take willing developers and willing neighbors and property owners and communities and start getting them into these conversations earlier. I think that needs to be more of the process. I think that there can only be a a long-term resolution to this kind of game plan when you say our, our goal and our need is to build housing. Well, the best way to do that is to say, okay, Where can we build housing everywhere? We can build housing in Hilliard in existing neighborhoods via uh, alteration of zoning where we change what can be built on these smaller parcels or conjoining parcels and all this other stuff. We can take what exists in other neighborhoods and convert it into large developments for apartment living and all sorts of things. But you won't get there with both developers and existing residents until you start from a different starting point. And I think that's what demands the ward system i think that's what demands more uh regular recurring involvement and i think once residents meet developers that build things that are pleasing and that are exciting and that are invigorating which most development always winds up being anyway period uh the end tim go ahead nay say it That's not true. All right. But, I mean, ultimately, growth is additive, whether it's uh, ultimately pleasing to the eye or not. But most of the time, this stuff comes in and does grow your neighborhood and improve your area, I believe, uh, especially in these contexts. And I think uh, people that want to locate their businesses and their developments in Hilliard uh, should be courted, should be encouraged to uh, negotiate, I guess, in a larger sense with Uh, the people that already live there, and create an environment that invites recurring development. Once people meet a developer that delivers a great product, they're going to want to bring that person back again and again. Do the next one. Do the next one. Do the next one. Whole areas of communities used to be built by single builders because their neighbors loved what their houses looked like. I think that can be brought back uh, in a lot of ways to what we need in suburban development and community development. So, um, I think that's where we should probably leave that part of the discussion. Guys, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about today? Kevin, we wanted to uh, maybe bring up the Norwich Fire, uh, Norwich Township Fire Department. They've got ongoing meetings promoting their levy coming up in March.
3: Yes. I do not have those dates in front of me, but there are several in the future. Uh, so jumping back to things I'll be covering or things that you asked yeah, I wanted go to ahead, work go ahead. on. Go Certainly uh, the Norwich Township fire levy. Uh Uh, So you'll see some continuing coverage on that. And I don't know if the school district will seek a levy in November or not. But hearkening back to the school district conversation we had a short while ago, uh, I would look into whether or not they'll be considering a levy. Mm. There was a levy that they were going to put up in 2020. And they scuttled that because of covid, so I would think by now possibly they'd be looking at when they might need, need the next levy yeah um i don't i I won't guess at when the last levy was, but they've certainly gone beyond what they said the lifespan was of the last levy uh so they've they've gone past that now, so I would think they might be looking at a levy in the near future. Okay. I'll look into that. Great. Um, let's see. What else do I have?
0: So we've got some development. We've got some schools. We've uh, got I've, city I, business. I, I
3: want to touch base with uh, Equity to see where they are with TruePoint. Sure. I believe that's a parking garage that is being built. Um, it's all the first construction, things first. First all the things cons- first. All the construction is quite visible as you're going north on 270 towards Tuttle from... Cemetery Road, so I think that's a parking garage. Okay. Uh, those are also elevator shafts, but those are the first things you build when you always do a building that are going up. So I want to touch base with equity and see if uh, see where that development is. And the city promoted this, but uh, if you were wondering who our entertainment is for Freedom Fest oh, yes. in July,
0: big breaking announcement: it will be big and rich, big and rich, not just big, not just big rich. And Rich. Uh
3: well known for "Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy," and on the other end of the spectrum, from a pretty uh, from a song of "Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy." Chang, chang. They also do November Eighth, which is a much more deep, deeply birthday. meaning song. It's, yeah, it's my birthday.
0: It's my the most um, deep meaning of all.
3: Okay, <laughs> so that's who the entertainment is for uh, Freedom Fest.
0: July. Big one. Yes. That in the park, that is a massive gathering. I don't know if we have attendance numbers on that in the past, but that is a big number of people. Significant. Significant.
3: I think the song is called The 8th of November. Correct myself. I think that's Uh, the title of it.
0: mm. Yes, Brad, you look
2: like you have something to say. Is that in the... uh which park is that in? Where the pool is, the big one? They have
3: it at Roger Reynolds. Roger Reynolds, Roger A. Reynolds. Roger a.
1: Reynolds. So that what it's called? Yeah. Roger mm-hmm. Re- Friend of the podcast. Friend of the
0: pod, Roger Reynolds, former mayor of Hilliard, one of the finest uh, citizens of any city in America. I'll go ahead and feel confident in saying
1: that. Yes.
0: But, guys, I think it's been another fun one. Uh, we are approaching the 50-minute mark, and I think that's about time to shut down the old microphones and call it a day. Uh, The deluge has subsided. The 50-degree temperatures have also receded. Um, We're motoring on through uh, February season here in Hilliard, Ohio, and we're glad to have you alongside. Uh, If you can, please support us here at the Hilliard Beacon. Uh, We would appreciate ongoing sponsorship in the form of $5 ongoing monthly memberships, $55 yearly memberships, or foundational memberships, which are always available and much appreciated. Uh, we are endeavoring to create a community reporting uh, portal for you that provides ongoing information that you need, that you want to know, and uh, that you can trust. And to do that, we're partnering with Kevin Corvo, uh, a reporter here in Hilliard for over 25 years, and we are endeavoring to support his continuing mission uh, to give local citizens the kind of journalism they require. Uh, to navigate the 21st century Uh, until next time I've been Jordan Smith I've been joined by Tim Hoffman good night and Kevin Corvo good night he couldn't think of a, I something think to say in a foreign better. language.
3: Buonasera. I've already covered that one, so <laughs> I better pick up a different language.
0: No. You know what? Duolingo only asks you to practice one day. <laughs> and uh local real estate professional Brad, thanks for joining us today. Good evening. We definitely appreciate your input. And thank you to those of you out there listening to us, all across the literature. And, and until next time,
2: goodbye.